the sounds of a city waking up. The call of the birds, the roar of the traffic, the unmistakable clank of construction. More than 50% of the world's population live in cities. Is that sustainable? Can humans and nature learn to live together better in the future than we have in the past? The Live Well Sustainability podcast is an initiative of Willoughby City Council and will explore some of the problems and solutions that urban living creates for the long-term future of people and the planet. On this episode of the Live Well Sustainability podcast, we're talking food and cooking and how it fits into the sustainability picture. Our guide on this journey of discovery is trained chef Joe Powling, a former Willoughby resident and advocate for being more involved not only with what we choose to eat, but where we choose to source that food from. Joe has worked all over the world, including a stint at Council's own Blend Cafe right here in Chatswood. She's now based on the Central Coast at Avoca Beach, where she runs online as well as face-to-face workshops on all things sustainable food and cooking. We caught up with Joe at Council's Chambers in Sydney for a chat about what it means to cook, why recipes are a guideline rather than a textbook, and how to make food preparation more of an adventure and less of a chore. But first, Joe gave us an insight into what sustainability means to her. So I think it's about living in a way that we can not just keep the earth going, but that we can live harmoniously as as humans on the earth and making choices that connect us to that process. So it's it's I, I see it as something that definitely goes beyond processes like recycling and even things like composting to the ways that we choose to interact within our community, the choices we make about how we source our food, uh, the way that we look at the bigger picture of the way humans live with the earth rather than on the earth. You know, I, I like looking into things from, a, I guess, an ecology perspective, um, like even towards deep ecology where sustainability is not just about being able to keep living the way we live for as long as possible, but about how we live as part of, as part of the earth, as part of nature. Everything we do, we're making little choices all the time, specifically when it comes to food. And we moved into a culture where we love being able to to eat whatever we want, when we want, uh, to, to go out and have so much choice. And that freedom is, is amazing. But a lot of people are needing to connect more deeply with sort of their relationship to the earth and each other. So then the choices of, well, how do I do that? become part of the thinking when you step out the door. Certainly, I think the biggest thing that I see in regards to food and sustainability is incorporating something in your day that is part of the regenerative process, is part of not just consuming, but also giving back back to the earth, back to the community in your choices. Jo knows change can be difficult, which is why she advises anyone wanting to adopt a more sustainable lifestyle to keep things simple. When it comes to food, I would say try to incorporate every single day something in your meal or your family meal that's either homegrown, sourced within the community, or locally grown by a a small-scale market gardener. Try and get that in every single day. See how it makes you feel. Like, 
honestly sit with it and see how you feel cooking with it and using it. Notice if there's a difference in how you feel and then take it from there because that's where I think you need to you need to really feel it to want to change. I believe that. And that's something that absolutely I think everyone can do that and still have their busy lives. Um, and how does that give back? Well, to start with, it supports a, lo- a local community. And if you're growing it yourself, then, you know, you're actually part of regenerating a small space, just your garden, whatever it is, you're regenerating soil if you, you start following those sort of principles. So you're part of the cycle rather than just consuming. And we can't all live completely in that regenerative cycle every day. Most most people are, are out there in society. And so, you know, we've got to be realistic about what we can do. But the little choices like saying, right, each day I'm going to use something I've grown or something that I swapped and sourced from from the neighbours or something who, grown by someone I know, I, I feel like that's a connection and that that's not just a take but a give as well. Growing an exchange of food is one of the most fundamental human activities. All cultures, for as long as food has been in any way, you know, once hunter-gathering was over and the growing came, was part of it. And I think when I talk to people, a lot of them don't know why they're craving it. And that that's the thing. They know they are, so they get so excited by the farmer's market that pops up on the, you know, outside of my cafe once a week, there's a farmer's market. There's just this queue and everyone is so excited to be there. And I don't know that people necessarily articulate that sense of loss as being associated with the pace of life, but they know that when they're there, and they see the produce and they talk to the grower and they they are part of it that something feels right and that's what people say if I ask them they know something feels great it's so nice it's so lovely and isn't isn't so and so this this farmer so so nice and such a character and and then they want to chat about what they can do with the food and so I see it as an expression of that innate um, human need to be part of these systems and no matter how much digital technology comes along and no matter how many fast food outlets that are all about processing as much food as quickly as possible people will keep coming back to this innate need and I don't think it'll go away I don't think it can I think it's fundamental. All of that sounds well and good for those living in rural and regional areas but what about those of us who live in more urban environments? There there are there are definitely ways and that if you're interested but certainly in an area like this, you'd need to seek it out. I have some experience living around here and, and working in this community. There's a community produce swap that's set up where people who are actively looking for locally grown produce within the community, they can they can go there. That's still going. There's community gardens around. I, I came across so many really passionate people in this area that are, that are growing food and it's so multicultural. You come across the most diverse produce. I came across things that I've never seen before in this area because, you know, people from the Chinese community are growing it. They know what to do with it. And so it's, it's also really interesting and exciting. Joe is in the midst of completing a permaculture design course and she says while the concepts lean towards rural they're actually easily transferable to all facets of daily urban life. So it did start out more as a thing for kind of bigger areas of land and now there's a lot more information available for urban permaculture. Uh, There's a book that came out, I think it's David Holmgren that released a book a couple of years ago that focused on urban permaculture and it it is different. Like I've been studying permaculture for a while and my land is still what I'd say suburban. So it's bigger than you a lot of the blocks here um 
And I do incorporate permaculture principles into how I use the land, but not exactly. Like I don't have a strict design and strict system, but some of the ideas that are important are sort of growing growing as much as you can, but growing it close to where your house is so that you access the things that you want to grow more easily. And then as you move out, there's different zones where, you, where certain things take place. And as you move further out, um, from a, from the centre, which is the house, the home, uh, you move into having things like the animals and the food forests and then you right on the edge there'd be wilderness. So in an urban situation you do need to adapt those principles where you're not on, on a farm but I still have a little food forest area that's sort of more on the edge where I grow like native edibles and things that don't need so much attention and then I have an area closer to the house that's more annuals and then the herbs are in a bit closer. So that's permaculture principles. And it's also there's social permaculture, which is also about how things like making sure that you share share the food, share excesses, um, that, and then looking after the earth, sharing excesses. And um, so it's people care, earth care, and fair share. They're the three sort of main principles. So the social side of it is also relevant. And I think something that in an urban environment that we can particularly look into, I think. You know, permaculture can be very complex and almost overwhelming. But when you boil it down to what it's about, which I'm still, I'm studying it rather than an expert in it, you realize it is those simple concepts of like sharing, using gluts, sharing, sharing excess, returning things to the earth. That is really what it's about. And then applying that to whatever environment you're living in as best. And if it's an urban environment, apply the principles to your urban environment. As a chef, it's no surprise cooking is close to Joe's heart, and it's a passion she hopes more people can learn to share if they can just start to see food preparation less as work and more as play. I think there's a, there's a culture that's developed that has made it a really serious thing. People are almost almost frightened of it because they have to get it right all the time, and that's the amazing thing about it. It, it is a fluid process. It's, it's experimental. It should be super playful. It, you know, and sometimes things don't go very well and that's okay. But I find people really want to know, they, they worry if they don't have the exact or if they can't get the exact thing that, that I've got, what can I use instead? I think there's certain personalities that, that like to have things prescribed Um, but I also think that part of that is that disconnect as well, uh, that has emerged over time where we, we know, we don't know about the plants. I mean, I'm talking about plant food rather than animals, animals, and that's another whole story, but most of the stuff I do is with plants. And I always say to people, learn, actually learn about the plants, how they grow, what they look like when they flower, can you eat the roots, um, and learning about that makes the cooking process more intuitive and you learn what you can replace and and what if you don't have something what else you could have so a lot of the questions I get I find come from people who are really used to just going to the supermarket with a recipe and getting all the stuff and going home and then making it and then not knowing what to do with what's left um and I always just say come back and learn learn about learn about the plants even if you can't grow them yourself just learn what sort of plant they are and so then when you go and you can't get the thing that you were planning, you might be able to find one that's very similar that you can use in the same way. One positive shift Joe sees is more families involving kids in the cooking process, even if it's not always convenient. There's a 
good movement towards that at the moment. I know a lot of families, parents that really are taking that on at the moment, definitely in the community where I live. And I think, I think it's amazing. The kids know what they're eating and they are confident and it's something I definitely think should be incorporated much more into into growing up. But I also think that it is happening and it's important. Um, but at the same time, as a mum, I've got a nine-year-old daughter. Sometimes I come home and she wants to help me cook and I'm just like, not today. But then I do think it's those moments when they should be there and they should be with you and it should be fun for them. Cooking and feeding ourselves is clearly a personal responsibility. But Joe believes local government does have a role to play in the sustainable food area. The role of council absolutely is to to provide the information and the resources and just set up the networks. That's something that Willoughby does really well, like gives sets up the networks and then people can take it from there. So, you know, maybe council doesn't have to, to have the whole process, but just sort of to facilitate the beginnings of things and then allowing the community to, to take it from there, I think is possibly what I see, see the role as being um, and making sure that people are aware of those, like accessing these things and taking it from there. And also obviously any options to make community land available for, for people to grow and learn I think is really important and, and any way that the councils can can support that or facilitate that, I think it is excellent and beneficial and, and very, very important. Community land for growing food, definitely. So, are we moving in the right direction? I actually truly believe that inevitably it, it, we will move towards it anyway. Is it fast enough? Probably not. But, you know, my, my intuition is that people are moving more and more because of that innate need to reconnect and the fundamental nature that we have will bring us back there eventually. And I, I, I can see it. But then again, one minute I'm feeling that way and then the next minute I turn around and, and you know, look at all the things that are happening in the digital world and, and I yeah, I do sometimes experience conflicting beliefs about the way things are going and I really choose, though, to focus on the fact that there are definitely movements towards the reconnection and regeneration and uh, the more people that can open themselves to that and move towards it, I, I feel the better. For all the other issues surrounding food in the modern world, Joe says one is an ever-present guiding principle, cooking and eating seasonally. In, in Ayurveda, the, the Indian philosophy, they, they have a, a principle, I think it's called Ratacharya or something, which is is talking about how eating seasonally is is harmonious for our health and and it makes sense that our bodies and our our own beings are living in the same ecology as the food is therefore what we need is probably what's being provided by the earth it's a that's philosophical but i think there's something in that for sure for me, the concept of cooking seasonally wasn't really something that I understood till I went and worked as a chef in the UK where it's much more obvious what's in season when. And then when I came back from working there, I thought I would be cooking seasonally here and I found it quite difficult to work out what was in season. Australia is a big country and there's everything's always in season somewhere in Australia all the time. Uh, so then as you start moving more locally, there are definitely seasons, but finding out what's in season locally can be quite difficult and a lot of people kind of ask about it 
it can be surprising what is available locally. So I think when people are looking to to make decisions about choosing seasonal produce, the best thing to do is to find growers who are happy to chat about it and let you know because some of them will grow under greenhouses and and they will grow out of season you know it's their business but a lot of them will um will tell you look if it's grown outdoors it's it's in season it's available it's grown outdoors it's local if it's grown in the within you know a couple of hundred k's depends what your idea of local is then essentially it's in season so that's the way I approach it rather than saying, right, in summer I only eat this, in spring I only eat these things. It becomes pretty limiting and you miss out on some great produce. And then there's the food miles issue and, you know, the reliance, like what the reliance on, you know, greenhouses has its obvious sort of downsides. So things that are just being produced by the earth at the right time of year are, are beneficial and I think that it's definitely worth considering without being too sort of hardline about it. Some fabulously practical tips and advice there from Joe in an area where humans have such a significant environmental impact, the production and preparation of food. If you're interested in exploring more about sustainable food, Joe has a few online suggestions, including the Facebook group Crop Swap Sydney, and for those who might enjoy a day trip with some fresh produce shopping thrown in, harvesttrailsandmarkets.com.au. Links to those resources and more can be found in the accompanying show notes. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please make sure to download the other episodes in the Live Well Sustainability series. We've covered topics including fashion, sustainability in the home, e-bikes and bush care. You can find links to each of those episodes on the Willoughby City Council website or by searching Live Well Sustainability in your favourite podcast app. The Live Well Sustainability podcast is part of Willoughby City Council's Live Well in Willoughby environmental education campaign. To find out more about how you can live a more sustainable life, head to the Council's website and search Live Well. Live Well.